haven't seen the movie Poltergeist. Right. <laughs> Don't go down there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've never seen that movie. Is Cher in it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Holy Spirits, the show where we're not going to heaven, but, but you, you might, might be. be. Not me. Uh, I always fuck it up the I first know you time. Do. My name's Mike. I'm Heather. And I'm Tara. Today we are talking about Simon Peter. And, and Garfunkel. Garfunkel. And Garfunkel. <laughs> Tell me that your mind does not go immediately to Garfunkel. I mean. You were born in 2006, so I'm sure <laughs> you don't know who Garfunkel is. Peter Simon in? Garfunkel. It's just a natural... See, I know Simon and Garfunkel is a thing, and I want to say that I saw that one movie, The Student, or The The Neighbor... The Graduate, that's the one. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I did see The Graduate once, Uh and I know that Simon and Garfunkel did a lot of the music for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, okay, Simon Peter, you said... You, Tara, you said on our last episode that you had no idea who Simon Peter was at all and that you've never heard of him. So that's one guy? That's his name, Simon His Peter. name is Simon and Peter. We'll talk about it in just okay. a second. Oh my second. god, is this the same so person? But this is Peter. Wait, Simon and Peter? Or are we talking about... Simon Peter is one person. Okay, Simon Peter. And he also goes by just Peter. What? So what do you know about the Apostle Peter, if that makes it a little bit clearer for you? So I remember, I believe it was Heather, told me that apostles are the people who follow Jesus. Like his, like, crew. From the Greek apostolos, one who is sent forth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. That's what I know. That's what I know. Okay. So he hung out with Jesus. Wait, who's the dude at the gates? That's that's him. Peter Simon. Simon yeah. Peter. Simon yes. Peter. That's he's Peter. the one who he's, makes sure everybody can get in. He's like the bouncer. Kinda. So he's we'll we'll talk about that too in just With a the, sec. He's got a t shirt on that says staff on the back. Yeah, just like the angels, the cherubs. Cheers. Yeah. Anytime you hear Saint Peter, Simon Peter, Peter the Apostle, Peter the Disciple, all of those are the same person. Whoa. Okay. And we'll talk about I just thought there was like fourteen hundred Peters. No no no. There are fourteen hundred. <laughs> there are fourteen hundred of like all of the other names. Yeah. There are a million Jameses. There Johns. Are, uh, yeah. There are tons of Johns. Uh, there are lots of like yeah. Well, and like we said, Jesus is Joseph. named a common name. Yeah. Joseph is common. Mary is common. Do they like, not have last names. Really, not. It was really. like locations, wasn't it? It was like well, yeah, like Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdalena, or yeah, Magdala, Magdala yeah, Magdala. Yeah. Magdala. Well, I just think it's weird that they didn't have. Well, like, you... how can you like? Hey, has anyone seen John? And you're like John, who? Right. Like, well, you normally 42nd say Forty Second Street. <laughs> well, you'd say but John. Ten Johns on Forty Second Street. Right. Sorry. Well, and you'd be son of. John, John, son, son of so and so. So, like, there's a James who is called James the Just, who we'll talk about too. And then there's James, son of Zebedee, and that's how you tell the difference. Zebedee. Is that one of them has got a dad named Zebedee? But how many Johns have dads named James? I'm just saying. Well, that's a thing too. And then there's like the there's a confounding yeah. factor of like sometimes people use patronymics and sometimes people go by location. But yeah, it's confusing. Okay. Mm. All right. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. So. Simon Peter, or just Peter. Uh, yeah, we you can get... you can refer to him as either. We'll talk about his name in a second. His okay. name's a hot fucking mess. Okay. Um, so he's allegedly Jesus's favorite disciple. Uh, we talked about how Mary Magdalene might have been Jesus's favorite. 
to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's 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 the history we Mm -hmm. want. Right. Well, Simon Peter is much better attested than Mary in the Bible. He's, like, in the Bible a lot more. He's in a lot more anecdotes. Because he has a penis. Right. And that's the thing is that of the people who Jesus was with, it seems that Simon Peter and the people that he talked to later or the sources that were reviewing him as a character, they kind of sided with him more. So that's probably why we know him better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of the main figures shaping the early church, and he is a saint in most traditions, just like Mary Magdalene. Obviously, he's more active in the Bible, so like, duh. Almost everyone who talks to Jesus is a saint in some way or another, in one tradition or another. That's just kind of, it's like we talked about how Pontius Pilate is kind of a saint in other churches. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a thing. As for whether or not he was real, he's probably real. Kind of like Mary Magdalene, where... uh, I mean, a lot of people talked about him. Right, right. Yeah. And evidence of the disciples is really sketch, but Paul and James the Just, neither of them is one of Jesus's original 12 disciples, but they're both really important after Jesus dies to like help found the church and stuff. Both of them were pretty definitely real and they were writing, you know, like a lot of the disciples, Jesus himself, they didn't really write. There were people in the immediate aftermath of Jesus's death who were writing, who mentioned Peter. So like, that's pretty concrete. Yeah. Why would they make up somebody? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very possible that uh, Peter really lived but wasn't anything like the story character, too. So we have to bear that in mind, is that you are trusting the Bible as the source. When it's possible that Peter lived and he was just completely different, but the lore that popped up after him was, mm-hmm. you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, like, what's your reaction to that? about? Peter I mean, I'm real? very blown with the fact that Simon and Peter are the same person. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, like, I had no like idea. Like, the fact that it's like... In Spanish culture, a lot of people have, like, you know, two first names. Mm-hmm. And so that always throws me off. And But now, like, to know that that happened in the mm-hmm. Bible is just mm-hmm. throwing me off. I mean, I know when you were talking about, when you're like, oh, let's do an episode on Simon Peter. I seriously thought it was going to be about two guys. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be like, what's that show in the 70s where those two that guys... Show? No. <laughs> No, literally in the seventies, where they had that car and they drove around and like solved mysteries. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. No, the two friends. It was like Starsky and Hutch. Oh, yeah. oh, they were cops. They were detectives. Oh, yeah. They had official. They were, they were official. I thought Simon and Peter were like Starsky and Hutch. Like that. This was gonna be like Jesus like, vigilante. Yes, I thought it was gonna be like, and we solved troubles, troubles. in the Bible days, Bethlehem. Oh, <laughs> and you just like you said the like the, mm, like really fast like Simon Peter, Simon and Peter. Yeah. Simon and Peter. Simon, yeah. Simon, Simon and Peter. Peter. So because it could have been. Yeah. We Simon just thought you had really bad pronunciation. Yes. <laughs> I have really bad. I'm famous for having bad pronunciation. I did. I did fuck up when I was trying to say Howard Kurpita. Well, when I was trying to pronounce the Egyptian, I screwed it up. So yeah, I mean, well, and you'll never live it down. And I'll never live it down. Yeah, I am gonna get into the name because the name is important. But first, I want to take a brief detour and talk about the languages because that's my niche and I love it so yeah. much. So we have to I listen to it. it. So you have to listen to it. It's, yeah. it, it's my this podcast is how, too. This is how we pay Mike is giving him time to talk about this. <laughs> you platform me. And, yes. and then we use that time to drink. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this Hold is on. when you sip. Like, uh-huh. And clink. Oh, fuck. Oh. We forgot to do the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, well, tell it now. Tell no. it now. Um, you know what? We're 15 minutes in. You guys want to know what we're drinking? Yeah. Um, vodka. Yeah. Kind of. Vodka. We're drinking, like, oh, random yeah. Smirnoff yeah. drinks. 
And I made you a vodka tonic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a premium wine. malt beverage. Yeah. yeah. It's a vodka adjacent yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going back real like old school style, you know, the whole just, smear not bottles. Just, just wait till we, you know, break out the Bartles and James. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or as my parents, the start of my life, you guys, is that my parents started, um, they got married because my dad was drunk on Boone's Farm, so we're going to really come <gasps> full circle if we ever out. bring Boone's Farm. No, don't cut it. It's my history. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they rename it to, like, Strawberry Hill or something? I think so. I think Stra- it's, like, Strawberry Hill Boone's Strawberry Farm. Strawberry Hill Boone's Farm. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. We'll get yeah. some Bartles and James. We should and- do that in November for their anniversary. Let's do it. But that's yeah. how I got started. I wasn't conceived. Oh, I thought no. you were, maybe you were conceived. No, my parents were, like- were dating for, like, a hot minute, and mm-hmm. then they went to a lake they my dad was drunk on Boone's farm and said I want you to have, to have my babies and my mom was like <laughs> okay and my mom was like I mean I'm not gonna have babies until I'm married and he was like we can do that and so, <laughs> nice. so romantic so the next day my parents woke up and my mom was like but you don't remember that you proposed me last night and he was like yeah I do and she was like okay well then are we engaged and he was like yeah let's do it and so then they went out and bought a ring so and romantic. then they that was like tissue. That was like in July, and they got married that November. After like literally knowing each other for like a hot minute, it was like their third date or something. I love it. Yeah, and they've been married forty years. Yes. Boone's Farm. Yeah. Boone's Farm. Boone's that farm. fucking does it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everyone out there Seals looking the for deal. love, you get that Boone's Farm. Get that farm. Boone's Farm. Get out. your ass on a lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We drank Boone's Farm together. We're going to be doing this podcast for 40 years. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's probably how long it'll take us to get through the Bible. I hear it. Okay, so, but the languages. Okay. So Jesus and the people in his immediate vicinity, they probably spoke Aramaic, which is a language, it's a Semitic language, which means it's related to Hebrew, blah, blah, blah. There's a long history that's kind of cumbersome and not super important for us. Which is different from arabic yes okay they are related because arabic is also a semitic language aramaic and arabic are different i always thought they were the same no not quite okay means so much yeah and aramaic is a really important language for that area like historically it goes back thousands of years blah 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 but it's important that jesus didn't probably speak hebrew as his like first language oh um he probably spoke at least some hebrew um because he was a Jewish human person and uh, Hebrew has been the liturgical language of Judaism forever. Yeah. Uh, It's like the ancient language. People probably spoke Aramaic day to day and then in synagogue they probably spoke some Hebrew. Okay, so still kind of how the Jewish culture does it is that you speak your language in day to day but then you have to learn Hebrew. Right, Uh, and nowadays Hebrew is the official language, modern Hebrew is the official language of Israel, but it wasn't always the case. Yeah. And as for, like, literacy, because traditionally uh, Jewish people now learn to read and write at least some Hebrew, uh, kind of as a part of their education. I believe that's part of the bar mitzvah Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. kind of process. Uh, So Jesus seems to be able to read a little bit because in Luke, in Luke chapter 4, he actually reads a passage from Isaiah in the synagogue. But that's kind of one of those stories where 
TBD if it's actually true because Luke was written later than Matthew and Mark. And in Matthew and Mark, there are scenes where people in the synagogue are like, Jesus, you're the son of a carpenter. You're a nobody. No one knows who your dad is, is like an accusation that they seem to be making. Yeah, bastard. Yeah, so like you have no idea. You keep preaching to us. And so it's possible that in Luke's gospel, he was like, Jesus read aloud a thing. And everyone was like, he's so authoritative on religion. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like whether or not he could read is like, ah. Also could be that he like read some people. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like, he was he like read that. He was like, "Listen here, hunty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Read that bitch for Phil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I'm preaching. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and Jesus also he frequently will like spar with religious authorities where he'll say it is written and then quote scripture. But like, does that mean that he's reading it or does that mean that he remembers it? Because yeah. Jesus lived in a super oral culture where he would have heard these stories a million times mm-hmm. and he could say it is written without actually reading what is written. Mm-hmm. So. That's kind of inconclusive. So he probably knew, so he spoke Aramaic and he probably spoke at least some Hebrew and then he might have spoken some ancient Greek because uh, like we talked about with um, Pompey conquering the Levant and annexing it with Rome, prior to that, Alexander the Great had conquered the area. So Greek was what we call a lingua franca, which means I speak Aramaic and you speak Latin and I don't speak Latin and you don't speak Aramaic, but we do both speak Greek. So we'll speak Greek to each other. That's what a lingua franca is. It's really common in areas where like, uh, if a European goes to parts of Africa, Africans will often speak French and then the European will speak, you know, German or English or something, but then they'll speak French so they can understand each other. Yeah. That's also part of the reason why Swahili is big in Africa is because there are so many languages in Africa, but you can just speak Swahili as a lingua franca. So that's neat. That's very yeah. neat. I, I, this is the one time I wish we recorded like video because Heather and I are both like, whoa. Our face is very, what's it called? Language Frank, what? Lingua Franca. Lingua Franca. Lingua Franca. It means something in Latin. I think it means like Frankish tongue. Can't remember. Uh, anyway, so Jesus probably spoke some ancient Greek, um, possibly with like a country bumpkin accent because like his native language was probably Aramaic. And yeah. we know that Jesus seems to be a relatively rural person. Mm-hmm. He's not like a cosmopolitan, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, he's... He's from District 12. Yeah, and he's yeah. not doing like a sex in the city, like, but then I wondered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... That was um, a very long stretch to get to that, but I dig fine. it. I'll cut I love it. it. Uh, But so ancient Greek is important too because if Jesus spoke ancient Greek, uh, even with a country bumpkin accent, the New Testament is written in ancient Greek. And so it kind of begs the question of whether Jesus was using the literal words in the New Testament or if the literal words are a translation of what Jesus said in Aramaic. I remember you talking about this. Yes. yeah. Yeah. And it's also important because... The early Christian church, Greek is like the language of early Christianity. Christianity is kind of a Greek religion, and a lot of the New Testament is written in Greek, including uh, like works that are attributed to Peter. Uh, so whether or not Peter could read and write Greek is like also a question. He probably couldn't, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so now we're gonna now we're gonna talk about his name. <laughs> Because his name is a hot fucking mess, and it goes back to this Aramaic versus Greek thing that I just mentioned before. So his name is Simon. That's the name that he's born with. It's a Hebrew name. It's pronounced Shimon, and it means like hearkening, like from the verb to listen. And so it's Shimon. Shimon. So it's Simon or Simeon 
either, like kind of doesn't matter, they're the same in Hebrew. And so his name is Shimon, it's written Simon in Greek because Greek doesn't have a letter for Sha. So we call him Simon. And then Peter is from the Greek word Petros, uh, which is Petra meaning rock. So what happens is in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter, Peter meaning rock, uh, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, or the realm of the dead, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Peter's like his... His name, name is Simon. Jesus calls him rock. You are the rock of my church. And in Greek, the word rock is Petros. Mm -hmm. So he names him rock because he's the rock on which he will build his church. So his name is Simon, but Jesus gives him the nickname rock, which in Greek is Peter. Uh, so it's this kind of story of Jesus uh, calling Peter a rock is really consistent and it kind of fits. Jesus does a lot of wordplay in the Bible. So if we can believe anything that the New Testament is saying, this is very much something that Jesus would say. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes a lot of sense, even if you're skeptical about, you know, other parts of the Jesus story. Like if you read the Bible really critically and you're a hardcore atheist and you're like, Jesus did not ri rise from the dead, that's not a thing that's possible. It is still very likely that he would have said this to Peter just because he was kind of a, a wordsy kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing is that Peter really isn't a name until Simon Peter. It becomes more common in the early kind of Christian world and it spreads from there. So English Peter, French Pierre, Spanish Pedro, uh, Russian Piotr, they're all from they're all from the name Peter. So Jesus created a name. Right, exactly. Ooh, Peter the Great was the rock. Yeah. Oh my god, and then the rock Johnson. The rock Dwayne. Dwayne. Dwayne the, the I knew we were gonna get yet. Oh, I knew it. The Rock uh, Johnson. Uh, and then there's also something which is kind of confusing. Uh, he's also sometimes called Cephas. Which is, uh, okay, so bear with me here. Okay, his name is Simon. Peter means rock in Greek, so sometimes he gets called Peter. Cephas means rock in Aramaic. But then, so he'll, he's named rock in both different languages. So sometimes he gets called Simon Cephas. Simon Syphilis. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, but so Cephas is the Greek way of saying the Aramaic kepa, which means rock. So his name is Simon, his nickname is Rock in both Greek when it's Petros and in Greeky Aramaic because Kepa becomes Kephas. But so then it's just really confusing, but they're all the same person and they're roughly the same ideas. So Shimon, Syphilis, Kebab. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow, not a single one of those was right. Really? I thought, wait, Shimon. 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 Was right. Shimon. Kepa. Kephas. Cephas. Cephas. Shimon. Petros. Peter. Like I say, it's a, it's a huge it's, clusterfuck. I mean, literally, this guy. Did he just sign an X? <laughs> well, he was probably illiterate, so he probably didn't even bother to sign anything. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so from this passage that Jesus said as well, he calls him Rock. Rock gives him his million nicknames. That also is where Peter gets his special role in the church. Uh, so not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but this is where the papal connection comes in, is that the Catholics are like, well, Jesus said he was going to build a church on the rock that is Peter. That makes Peter pretty fucking important. I mean, I co-sign that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
one of the few things I co-signed mm -hmm. with the Catholics on. <laughs> right. But there's also, I mean, part of the passage too, he said, Jesus told Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So like, that's a really important thing because that, that's the introduction of the mythology where Peter is holding the keys and standing outside of heaven like a bouncer. Right. Mm -hmm. um, like and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> right, exactly. Like yeah, Dwayne the Rock Johnson as a bouncer. That's, that's who who he is in my mind now. I so know. when I when I think of when we think of the pearly when we screen write the Bible, yeah. mm -hmm. we'll definitely know who we're the rock is. Well and it's important too because you just said that you co-sign the Catholic view. In Protestantism they tend to de emphasize Peter's importance as the rock of the faith where it's like Peter is the only important person. And the Protestant interpretation is more of a generalized, like Jesus said that you are the rock on which I will build my church, referring to Peter's faith, and that all of our faiths are the rocks on which Jesus will build the church. We are all part of the foundation of the church, if you will. And that de-emphasizes the importance of the Pope as the spiritual successor to Peter, if that makes is sense. Is the idea that the Pope is like like the spawn of Peter? Not the spawn, but the spiritual heir. It's kind of like being a successive president, where it's like no one thinks that you are the blood relation of sure. Peter, but like you hold the office that Peter held. Yeah. And like you get the value that Peter had. Yes. Yeah. And it makes it yeah, equally important. I didn't realize that that connection, that that was just kind of like, I get not the bloodline, but the, you know, the, the descendants of Peter, like, passed on through, you know, office space. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. So. Well, and again, the, the name thing is super weird. Yeah. So next we're going to talk for a brief minute about the sources of kind of like how we know about Peter, mm -hmm. because the New Testament is one of the best sources that we have, actually. I was kind of disappointed when I was doing the research for this because the Mary Magdalene Apocrypha is fucking awesome and yeah. like super fun to go through. And the Apocrypha with Peter and even Peter's role in some of the New Testament is very, it's just not illustrative of who Peter was and what kind of person he was uh, outside of the gospels. It's a lot of Peter saying, you should have faith in Jesus. Thank you for asking and like come ye and get eternal life and all of that stuff but it wasn't very much of my name's peter and this is what kind of person i am so yeah. i was kind of disappointed mm -hmm. in that so there's no like moment where he took the time to shine and be like and let's talk about me for a second well there are parts where you can learn about his character in the new testament but it's mostly in the gospels yeah. and not like there's not as much as i would have liked yeah so I, I will be sending about like his family life did he have a family was he married we will talk okay. we will get there that's the juice I want. That is, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll, we'll just kind of breeze through this. So Mark, the Gospel of Mark, is supposed to have been written by Mark. Shocking. Mm -hmm. And in some traditions, Mark is supposed to have been Peter's assistant. So in theory, the Gospel of Mark comes from not Peter himself, but from someone very close His to right Peter. right-hand man. Yes, mm -hmm. that's probably not true, mm. but it does add a dimension to Peter's importance, of course. Mm -hmm. And Mark is, scholars generally agree that Mark was written first. So it would make sense that, you know, someone near Jesus had a little bit more say in Mark's version than in later versions. Peter has a large connection to the Gospel of Mark. He's obviously in the other Gospels. Um, allegedly, they are kind of supposed to be in the orbit of the New Testament people, but Mark is the big one for Peter. Uh, Peter is also major in the Book of Acts. 
uh, he does miracles and he helps the early church along, but again, it's a lot of kind of spiritual stuff and not a lot of Peter himself. There are two, they're called- Wait, the, who performs miracles? Peter actually does perform a couple of miracles in the name of God and in the name of Jesus. Uh, so how did he get the power to do miracles? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. Like it's very much like, Jesus is my God and I need to fucking take care of this. So there are two, they're called epistles, which are like letters. They're first and second Peter. <laughs> I'm a child. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, I mean. Okay. Go on. They're epistles of Peter. They're attributed. <laughs> you and Peter. I know, that's why I laughed again. <laughs> you're, the you're, epistle of Peter. Your epistle. Your Peter is a little epistling. Peter's a little epistle, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> there are letters. Uh, they're attributed to Peter, but they are in fancy city Greek, and he probably would not have been able to write like that. Also, we don't know that he would have been able to write anyway. He's an Aramaic-speaking fisherman, like whatever. Fishermen he... don't tend to need to know how to write. Right, and there, there are some theories that he dictated at least one of them to someone who was able to write, but at that point we're really getting away from, you know, technically someone heard something from someone or someone told someone to write something, to, you know, it's pretty nebulous at that oh, yeah. point. Mm -hmm. The general consensus is that they weren't written by him and that first and second Peter were not written by the same person that they were actually written by different people. Even ancient people in like the very early church used to argue about Second Peter. They're like, mm, this seems wrong. So this is part of my point where like the New Testament sources for Peter aren't that great anyway. What's yeah. first and second Peter? The, those are the two epistles of Peter. <laughs> you did that on purpose. You did that on purpose. She set you up. She, so good. sweet Heather, I'll never trust you again. Oh, that was gold. Uh, she's here all week. Anyway, she never leaves her house because we're in a pandemic. <laughs> That's accurate. Uh, so anyway, Peter's always a major character, but like we don't really hear from him super directly, and you know we don't. He's not developed as much as we'd like. So in the Apocrypha, there are some bits of Apocrypha that mention him. Obviously, Apocrypha is more about Jesus than about Peter. It's kind of like with Mary Magdalene, same thing. Um, we remember in the Gospel of Mary, that's the one where Peter and Andrew, Andrew is his brother. I don't think I said that at the no, time. No, you didn't. Yeah. So Peter and Andrew yeah. are related. Yes. And we'll get to that in just a bit because we'll do their intro. But yes, they are brothers. The Gospel of Mary is the one where they question Mary about Jesus's words after Jesus has come back from the dead. Apparently Mary has spoken to him and Peter and Andrew are asking her about it. Magdalene? Mary Magdalene, yes. Um, and that's the one where Mary seems to be kind of the primary faith leader. And we kind of see the duality of men versus women. Uh, we get the chosen disciple of Mary or the chosen disciple of Peter. And we kind of do see a binary there. And in terms of characterization, because remember, that's the one where Peter starts to be kind of hostile to Mary, where he's like, what the fuck do you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then eventually- and who are you? You have a yeah. vagina. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. exactly. And you she's know. like, Jesus fucking told me what to say. Mm -hmm. uh, in that same bit of Apocrypha, uh, Levi, who seems to be a different disciple, says that Peter's always been a hothead. This is our first glimpse of what Peter is really like, is someone calling him a hothead and yeah. saying that he is, you know, reacting with his temper. And I bet Levi's hot. Because anybody mm -hmm. named Levi I is probably love the name hot. Levi, I have to say. And so for him to call out mm -hmm. anybody, I'd follow along. Mm -hmm. 
In the Apocryphon of James, Jesus gives both Simon Peter and James a lesson after the resurrection, but only James understands it, which means that Peter is kind of a fuck up. James seems to have succeeded Jesus in this story, and Peter seems to have failed to take over. So that's interesting because we know, especially based on the Catholic tradition, that Peter does take over or that people generally ascribe the taking over to Peter. Yeah. But it seems from this particular Apocrypha that Peter fucks it up and it yeah, goes to James. Yeah, he fails. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then James becomes the like leader of the leaders? Maybe. Wow. I mean, uh, this is Apocrypha, and it seems from history that Peter's school of thought seems to win out. Yeah. But, um, but maybe it shouldn't have. Maybe it shouldn't. I mean... Who can say? Yeah. Uh, and, and then in the Gospel of Thomas, which is the one that's mostly sayings, uh, that's the one where Jesus says something really confusing about women, like, becoming men. And that's the one where Peter says, make Mary leave us for females don't deserve eternal life. So in that same text, Jesus says once he's gone that they should go to James the Just for guidance. And so once again, we see James receiving the kind of blessing of Jesus to take the spiritual calling and, you know, keep the movement going, and Peter gets passed over. Mm -hmm. James may merit his own episode. Uh, he's known as James' brother of the Lord, but he might be Jesus's cousin. Like, it's really unclear. Uh, and he's different from a different James. James, the son of Zebedee, who is the disciple that we'll meet in just a second. But anyway, Did James the Just and Peter seem to be two of the big big players after Jesus. And they seem Jesus. to not necessarily get along. They seem to have a little bit of a almost competitive nature against mm -hmm. each other. Yes. Mm -hmm. Did we go over this before? Did Jesus have brothers and sisters? I mean, did Joseph and Mary have children? It really depends on the interpretation. Um, according to, I think in Catholicism, Mary is a perpetual virgin. So she never had sex before Jesus was born, and then she never had sex after. And that keeps her especially holy so that she, I'm pretty sure she um, gets, whatchamacallit, she ascends directly into heaven. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason she's able to do that is that she hasn't been sullied by sex. Poor How Joseph. I, mean, I right? was going to say poor Joseph, but I'm like, poor Mary. Yeah, she didn't get laid. You know? I mean, Mary. I mean, women have needs too. And totally. they didn't have washing machines at the time. No. Or shower heads. Or shower yeah. heads. So. <laughs> Lord only knows. I'm trying to think of household objects. <laughs> <laughs> but in other traditions, and like, yeah, James the Just uh, is a great example of is this person, like, as the brother of Jesus, some people really interpret that as cousin. It's pretty common to call cousins brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. They do this in Russian, actually. Yeah. I had a really weird interchange when I was in Kazakhstan because uh, one of the women that I worked with was like, my sister, my sister, my sister. And I was like, how many sisters do you have? And she was like, you know, 20 or some absurd number. And I was like, what even? Like, and she was like, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. In English, they're, uh, they're cousins. I have one brother. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, you're like, I need to yeah. hold on. Explain. Right, exactly. But yeah. so that that might be an example. But yeah, to answer your question, there is no uh, very good answer. I could do more research into that potentially. Uh, okay, so let's talk for a second about who who this crazy little person is. Simon the Rock, Simon Peter, Simon Kephas. I'm so Keith. excited. Safest. I'm so excited to learn who he is. So the PP apostle. <laughs> epistle. Oh. Epistle of apostle. Our epistle. Epistle of an apostle. Oh, yeah. Uh so he starts off as a fisherman okay. in the town of Bethsaida. 
That's a noble profession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gives yep. people food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bethsaida seems to be a kind of up-and-coming little town. It's mm-hmm. located in the Golan Heights in northeastern, um, well, now it's northeastern Israel. It caused a bit of a kerfuffle in the news. Um, uh-huh. I think it was last year because Israel annexed it, which they weren't really supposed to, but that's a different story. So his name is Simon, son of Jonah. So we do have his patronymic. Uh, he Is it like Jonah and the whale? No. Okay. No. Again, we have a million of the same right. name. Uh, so in Matthew and Mark, Simon and his brother Andrew are fishermen, and they kind of hang out with the sons of Zebedee, James and John. So James and John, sons of Zebedee. Again, we have a million Jameses and a million Johnses. Mm-hmm. But but only one Zebedee. Right. Yeah. It sounds Thank like, God. Yeah. yeah, we don't have a lot of Zebedees floating yeah. around. So uh, Jesus walks by and he calls Simon and Andrew first. They're out on their boat. They're fishing. And Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Hey, you over there. Let's go fishing for men. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I've been doing. I've been doing him on a dock and being like, hey, hey boys. Hey. Would you like to come over and fish with me? Ooh, girl. Yeah. Got some special bait, baby. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. will show you some worms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he goes to James and John, who are mending their nets, and also calls them. So we have now four disciples of Jesus, and they seem to be the first four, or at least, yeah, yeah, really early. Is this the four horsemen? No, no, it is not. The four horsemen are um, blights of humanity. Ooh, let's do a. It's like it's like war, pestilence, death, and famine. Famine, but they are different. Doesn't is that in the Bible? It is. It's in Revelation. Okay, look at me. <laughs> and I actually, I do have some revelation things later. But okay. in Luke, Jesus borrows Simon's boat and preaches to the crowd from the water. Like he takes the boat and he kind of goes off the shore a little ways and then like shouts at everybody from the boat and a crowd like gathers on the shore, which is like so I dramatic. How do you hear him? Well, he was kind of projecting, and I, it sounds like I don't know this firsthand, but it sounds like the Sea of Galilee is relatively small and relatively peaceful. Mm-hmm. So it like it wouldn't be like crashing waves. Mm-hmm. Like it's not an ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, okay. I just want to take a second and say this is very dramatic. I always forget until I read the Bible or biblical analysis how much I like Jesus as a character. Yeah. Like, he's wonderful. He's very charismatic. He's really smart. He's yeah. kind of coy mm-hmm. at different times. I was going to say, his wordsmith, every time you tell me about how he was mm-hmm. like, he created these riddles to get mm-hmm. people to follow him, I'm like, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. sounds like a total just, like, babe mm-hmm. that, like, anybody would be like, listen, let's... Mm-hmm. Let's follow this guy. Why would you not? Right? And it's, yeah, it's just, it's really easy to kind of lose track of things because there's so much historical context between Jesus and now. Yeah. And, you know, it's very possible that the biblical account of Jesus is quite embellished and he didn't say certain things or he didn't act a certain way and we just think he did. But the character in the New Testament is kind of awesome. And there's like a reason why people follow Jesus, both in the New Testament and in real life. So like Mm -hmm. we have to keep that in mind. And give him respect. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, let's just think about the theatrics of being like, you know what? I need to get some people on my side here. I'm going to go shimmy out on this little, like, raft boat and basically hold, like, a concert mm-hmm. of my thoughts yeah. for my people. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, 
If yeah. only politicians would take a note. <laughs> oh, don't don't ask politicians can, to be like Jesus. Can you oh. imagine Trump like, like trying to like rowing? Like his little like Swiss Family Robinson like his little hands. Yeah, his little hands. Um. Anyway, so he he borrows the boat. He's preaching from the water, and this is the scene where he tells them to put their nets down. So he's like preaching, and then he turns to them and he's like, "Put your nets down right now, fish." And they're like, well, we've been fishing all day. We've been using our nets and we haven't caught a damn thing. And Jesus is like, no, no, do it. And they do it and they catch so much, so many fish in the nets that the nets are like breaking. Like this is, this is the Jesus effect. He yeah. like comes in and he's like, no, no, do give it. it a try. Yeah. Give yeah. It a try. yeah. As he like swirls Just, yeah. his finger in the yeah. like water and he's <laughs> yeah. like, and go. <laughs> um, in the gospel of John, Andrew, so this is Peter's brother. Simon Peter's brother, is a follower of John the Baptist, who we're probably going to have to do our own episode for John the Baptist. Yeah, because I hear about him a lot, and I really don't understand who he is. So what all you really need to know is that John the Baptist came before Jesus. They did overlap in time for a bit. John the Baptist seems to have been a faith leader kind of like Jesus was before Jesus. Okay. Uh, so in the Gospel of John, Andrew is a follower of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist says that Jesus is a big deal. So Andrew tells Simon, tells his brother about it, and then they follow Jesus home to hear him teach. And that's kind of how, how they fall in with Jesus and the disciples. There is a scene where Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law of her fever, which is how we know that Simon was married. We have no information about his wife at all. Of course, we were about to ask. Yes. Like, who's she? What's her right. name? I was like, how many yeah. kids? Right. Yeah. I was like, anything, but no. We have we have no idea. Uh, she's not even mentioned in the story with the mother-in-law. It just says Peter. It just says that Peter had a mother-in-law and Jesus healed her. So it's possible, and one of the interpretations is that she may have already been dead by the time Jesus is around. Say probably just long gone right so it's possible that peter was a widower or it's possible that he had his wife around um in first corinthians which is written by a man named paul the apostle who is one of the he's just like james the just he wasn't one of the 12 disciples but he is a huge figure immediately after jesus dies um paul the apostle writes a lot of the new testament and in first corinthians there's a brief detail where he says that cephas who again is peter uh, that Peter's wife would travel with him and take care of him. So from that, it sounds like this woman is in the background of the story, yeah. but we never hear about her. Okay. Can't wait to write my fan fiction about mm-hmm. her. Uh, so anyway, between the nice town, because we know that Bethsaida was kind of up and coming, uh, the fishing, which seems to have been pretty productive, and we know that he has a wife and a mother-in-law, so it seems like Peter has a full life and is doing pretty well for himself before mm-hmm. he follows Jesus. Like, he isn't some homeless person who's a total outcast from everything and he's desperate for something. He's like, you know, let me leave my enterprising life here and I'll mm-hmm. follow you because you're more worthwhile than my cool life. Mm-hmm. So that's very yeah. notable. Okay. So Jesus has to be pretty worthwhile to yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Can I co-sign this? Does Andrew go with them or is this the only mm-hmm. time that we talked about Andrew? Andrew doesn't get nearly as much screen time as Peter, but it does seem that Andrew and Peter are together for a lot of the time with Jesus. And they seem to have a good relationship. They're not as combative as Peter with John the Just. James James the Just. Just. James the Just. I don't think that there's just a ton of information about their relationship. It seems that they're generally on the same wavelength. It 
seems based on importance that Peter might be old, the older brother, She's but TBD. Like, you know who's older or anything? I don't, I don't think it's ever explicitly said. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so then so Jesus comes. I'm just catching myself up. Jesus comes. He's like, hey, boys, hey, let's do some fishing. He gets out on one of their boats, goes out there, gets the whole community riled up. Mm-hmm. And then The Rock is like, okay, Jesus, I'm on it. Like, let's go and do your storytelling. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And he takes his and he brother takes his and brother. his wife. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. maybe his wife, but definitely his brother. Yeah. And um, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come with too. Okay. We don't really care about them. No. I mean, they're just disciples, but disciples are pretty important, but they are just disciples. Uh, So it seems that Peter is called first, so that makes him kind of a big deal in terms of the disciples. And when the disciples are named, Peter always comes first. So that seems to indicate, at least in our version of the Gospels, that Peter has already taken precedence among the disciples. Yeah. Uh, Peter is always saying how much he believes in Jesus that Jesus is the son of God, yada, yada, super faithful guy. There are actually a couple of times where Peter will be like, you're the son of God. And Jesus is like, pipe down. Just like, we're, we're not going to make it about that quite yet. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's actually a pretty common thing in the mm-hmm. New Testament. Interesting. So Peter like wants to scream it around and, or like justify all of Jesus' actions with being like, you're the son of God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wants to be low key. And Jesus is like, but that's not the reason why they should listen to me. They should mm-hmm. listen to me because I'm right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah, that's actually a really succinct way of putting it. Good job. Thank you. I might have a career in this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then let's talk about walking on water. Yeah, I thought that that's what you were going to say was going to happen. Well, there's a boat. This is one of the things that's really interesting in terms of the kind of literary themes. There's a lot of water in the New Testament. There's baptism by water. There's walking on water. There's the fishing. Like water is a really, it's kind of like a motif. Yeah. Well, there's not flooding in the New Testament. Oh, I thought you said just Bible in general. I mean, that too, but specifically in the New Testament. Okay, gotcha. So in Matthew, Mark, and John, interesting that Luke isn't included, but in Matthew, Mark, and John, there's the story of Jesus walking on water. Uh, It's after he feeds 5,000. So in that story, there are 5,000 people and they're like, we need to eat, by the way. And the disciples realize there's not enough food and Jesus miraculously feeds them on a very limited amount of bread and fish. So in the Matthew story, Jesus dismisses the crowds, they feed them all, and then Jesus is like, cool, bye everyone, and then Jesus goes up a mountain to pray, and he tells the disciples to go ahead to the other side of the Sea of Galilee on a boat. We know that Simon Peter owns a boat. Uh, So the boat gets caught up in some wind, and the disciples are making no headway at all, the wind is picking up, the waters are getting super turbulent, they're kind of starting to panic because they're not able to cross to the other side, but it doesn't seem like they'll necessarily be able to go back either, like they're kind of stuck, and it's getting kind of stormy. So Jesus sees them riding the struggle boat, and he walks out to them on the water. So they're all scared as shit. They think he's some kind of ghost and Jesus is walking to them on the water and he's like, chill my dudes, it's just me. Like, hi, hello, Jesus. And, and they're like, probably calms hey boy, the hey. Seas as well. Yes. Calm the seas. Yeah, it seems that the seas kind of calm down, that Jesus commands the ocean. Remember from our theme in Genesis of the chaotic waters being calmed by God, we mm-hmm. see that Jesus is able to calm chaotic waters in the New Testament, which gives him kind of God authority. Mm-hmm. But so in the Gospel of Matthew, only in the Gospel of Matthew, Peter says to Jesus, if that's really you, call me to you. And so Jesus does. And so Peter steps out onto the water and actually Peter walks on water towards Jesus. 
Oh, I didn't know that part. And so Peter gets to walk on water too? Yes. But then Peter gets scared of the storm about halfway through and he starts to sink and Jesus has to reach out a hand and catch him. And he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I was going to say he was sinking because he was losing faith. But so then, you know, Peter says that Jesus must be the son of God. Peter has special enough status to walk on water. Very important that it's only with Jesus's help because as soon as Peter starts to doubt Jesus, he's going down. But if he believes in Jesus, then he can do something similar to what Jesus is doing. So that's a really important kind of thing. Uh, Which is why he's able to do the miracles of right. Jesus. Right. He's able later. to do miracles in Jesus's name. And that's part of the, um, the mythology, so to speak, around uh, Catholic saints is that you have to perform a miracle and you perform a miracle through the power of Jesus. You don't do it by yourself because that would be like magic kind of. You do it because you have faith in Jesus. And because your faith is so strong, he's giving you these powers. Right. Yes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. We mentioned the Sea of Chaos. Uh, oh, also the Sea of Chaos is important because it parallels Moses and the Red Sea, yeah. as in Prince of Egypt. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the sea is turbulent, calming water. Water is a very kind of primeval force. It's always one of the four elements whenever we talk about that. Everybody knows that water is kind of the bringer of life and the floods and, you know, water is just such an important theme. Mm -hmm. um, there are some hypotheses that the disciples saw Jesus on the shore and maybe mistook him for walking on water or maybe he was walking on like a sandbar. But in my opinion, if you're going to be cynical about it, you should just be cynical that the story happened at all, that the disciples were ever on a boat during a storm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why would you... I don't know. I just, I, it doesn't make sense to me to go through most of the story and then doubt like the one detail. It's like, if yeah. you're going to doubt the one detail, then maybe you should doubt the whole yeah. story. Cause it wasn't just like low tide. That right. Suddenly yeah. Had like a... yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's possible that the disciples just like got caught in a storm and then the storm passed and they were like, Jesus must've done that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. If you're going to be cynical, be cynical. The idea of walking on water is really common across cultures too. So that's really important because in addition to the God power, in addition to the theme of taming water and walking on the chaotic sea, kind of like how God parted the waters in Genesis, kings were alleged to have kind of supernatural or God powers in the ancient world. So like Xerxes, uh, who was uh, king of Persia, and Alexander the Great, they were also believed to have powers like walking on water. So it means that Jesus has um, powers that put him in divinity that happen to correspond to royal power. So that's interesting. I feel as though this is just such a theme that as somebody who's never read the Bible before, this is something that people always like bring up. And so it kind of seems a little lame of a story, <laughs> in my opinion, mm -hmm. on like, that's the story. Like that to me is probably in the top three things that people always argue with me on why Jesus is like real and mm -hmm. stuff is like, well, he walked on water and he turned like, you know, his skin to bread and his blood to wine and grim, but not inaccurate. Yeah. But I mean, if it's, if it's not true, it's a great story that shows the power of someone's faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think at its barest interpretation, even if we're being really cynical and really kind of atheistic about it, the literary themes are very clear. You know what I mean? Yeah. The faith, and then when you start to lose faith, you lose it. Mm -hmm. uh, the taming of the water, you know, like all of these things make so much sense to kind of affirm what Christians believe. Mm 
if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a good story, basically, and yeah, it makes a lot of story. sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said it makes a lot of sex. And I was like, it makes know. a lot. Of, I mean, listen, we don't know what they were doing we on the boat. Yeah, Why was there a storm in the first place? Yeah. In the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were fishing for men. Who knows? They were fishing for men. Fuck yes, they were. So then we'll take a second to talk about The Last Supper. I specifically want to talk about Peter in terms of The Last Supper. I think that we might consider doing The Last Supper as its own episode just because it bridges into the communion thing, which is super interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are just a lot of events. Uh, we kind of touched on some of them with Pontius Pilate, but in the Gospel of John, Jesus washes the disciples' feet before The Last Supper. He kind of is trying to display... Peter does that? Jesus does that. Oh. And we know that. it's The I Last know. Supper because we kn he knows that he's getting crucified the next day. Yes. Okay. And that seems to be kind of a prescience of God. Like, no one has warned him, it seems. Mm -hmm. Jesus just kind of just knows. knows. Yeah. Well, so I was just about to ask, is like, how did we know that it was, he was getting crucified? Well, the Gospels are written after, and so they're like, they say that Jesus knew in advance, hmm. and that that's just kind of part of the God power. But so he washes the disciples' feet, and Peter refuses, because he's like, I should be washing your feet. You're the son of God. This doesn't make any damn sense. And Jesus tells him to shut up. And he's like, if you don't let me wash your feet, uh, you'll have no... The translation is unclear. It's like Peter will have no share with Jesus or no part with Jesus or something like that. Like, you, I won't fuck with you if you won't let me wash your fucking feet. Mm -hmm. And then Peter's like, do all of me. Do my head, do my hands. Like, you can wash my everything. Like, if that's what you really want. And Jesus is like, you're good, my dude. Yeah. You're, you're clean, your except feet. for your feet. Yeah. Like, let me just do this kind of symbolic thing. <laughs> wash, wash all of me, Jesus, please. Yeah. Wash yes. all of me. Uh, and then this is the part where Jesus says, and I'm quoting from uh, John 13 in the New International Version. Jesus says, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example, and you should also do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants, or slaves, are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the ones who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But it is to fulfill the scripture. The one who ate bread with me has lifted his heel against me, or turned against me. I tell you this now before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Very truly I tell you, whoever receives one whom I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And then he predicts that he's going to be betrayed. And who betrays him? Judas. 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 But so we see that Jesus is saying, I'm giving you guys authority, you are my chosen people, and like you guys are acting on my behalf, and kind of... The way that people treat Christians is the way that they are treating me. The way that people treat the disciples is the way that they're treating me. Like, we're doing, we're seeing a lot of equality here, right? It's like, you are just as good as me. Masters are just as good as slaves. Messengers are just as good as messages, you know? Yeah. Love that. Isn't that really powerful? Yeah. Yes. That is honestly the best line that I've heard come from yeah. Jesus yet. Yeah. Like, when you said, like, slaves are just as good as their masters, I'm like, mm-hmm. Right. And this is what I mean where Jesus is a very egalitarian guy. Like, he won't let Peter be like, you're the son of God and you're better than everyone else. And Jesus isn't like, that's fucking right. I fucking am. Everyone fucking bow down, bitches. Yeah. And he's like, we're actually all, like, 
I have holy status and like you obviously need to listen to me because I happen to have the information and the God messages. Mm -hmm. But once you guys have heard that and once I've kind of given you authority to move on, Mm -hmm. everyone needs to treat each other equally because Mm -hmm. we are all uh, children of God and we can all receive the message of God, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, everyone should love each other. Everyone should be kind to each other. Everyone should be respectful to each other. Mm -hmm. This is the gospel that could have gotten me on board, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't we hear this first? Mm -hmm. This would be the leading argument. Mm -hmm. Yep. So then... I'm going to skip over a little bit. We are going to go to the betrayal and the crucifixion. So uh, Judas betrays Jesus to the authorities, and then the Romans come to arrest Jesus, and someone, in the Gospel of John, it's Peter, cuts off the ear of a servant of the high priest of Israel. His name's Caiaphas. So Caiaphas um, has his slave Malchus, and Peter cuts off his ear because they've come to arrest Jesus. And Peter's like, like fucking hell you will. Yeah. And Peter cuts off his ear. <laughs> and Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not doing this. Uh, Jesus reattaches the ear onto Malchus and is like, I will go with you peacefully. Like, don't mind him. He's a little bad. Yeah. And it's interesting that Peter has a sword. <laughs> and it's interesting that this scene is in all four gospels. Like, it seems like somebody, again, in John, it's Peter fucking react really violently when they come to arrest Jesus. Yeah. But again, we see... Peter's in love with Jesus. I mean, listen. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. you know... He's rock hard. Yeah, he's rock hard. He's rock hard for Jesus. Jesus. Mm-hmm. No, that's a bumper sticker. I'm rock hard for Jesus. I'm Peter hard for <laughs> Jesus. Peter hard for Jesus. <laughs> Oh, that wow. can be your pickup line. We're yeah. going to get struck by lightning. <laughs> we are. Tara's already, already, you know, not going. Yeah, yeah that should have sailed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in all four canonical Gospels, too, Jesus predicts that Peter will deny him thrice before the cock crows, and he does. Uh, I think we mentioned this mm-hmm. in uh, Pontius Pilate. In the book of Matthew in particular, there is an earlier passage about acknowledging Jesus and not making your faith a secret. So this is in direct violation of that, that mm-hmm. Peter is like, I don't know. I don't know who he is. I'm like, not my deal. Wait, Peter's, Peter says, I don't know who Jesus is? Mm-hmm. After he gang, like, attacks the dude for arresting him. Yeah. And then he's all like, Jesus who? Yeah. Because he gets, he gets really scared once they finally haul Jesus away. We talked about in Mary Magdalene how brutal crucifixion is and how violent yeah. that whole thing is. Well, that was horrible. one of the things that we didn't talk about is that in addition to the brutality of crucifixion, they also flog Jesus before they put him on the cross. Yes, so like, which is just beating him, right? It's whipping him with a whip that probably had multiple barbs and then probably bits of bone on the end of the bar. Like it was, oh. it was not like a BDSM, like spank me harder, daddy. Uh-huh. It was like a, you're taking all of the skin off my back kind of thing. Like, it's not just that crucifixion is itself a torturous way to die. It's that they tortured him before they tortured him to death. Yeah. Like, when... I, I know so I'd be like Jesus who too if I had to witness the flogging yeah, and exactly. like, knew that something else was coming right was like, like Peter was fucking scared Peter had it's one thing that they were gonna haul Jesus off and Jesus was like I'll go with you and talk to Pontius Pilate and maybe at that point Peter was like you know maybe Pontius Pilate will accept what Jesus is saying maybe he'll let him off with a warning like Which we I really mean, don't Jesus know Jesus was kind of expecting Pontius Pilate to do that right like or um I don't I don't really know what the expectations were I think that if I were Jesus I would be like if the Romans are asking after me and arresting me like the ship has kind of sailed the other thing is the the servant who had his ear cut off Malchus 
he, he was a, a slave of Caiaphas, who was the high priest of Israel. So we have the local Israelite religious authorities who are siding with the Romans here. Okay, so it's like the trifecta of, like, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. The bifecta, but yes. Bifecta, yeah. <laughs> so remember when we were talking about, oh, if Tara and I knew that, that was the whole concept, maybe we would have gotten on board how... You know, everyone's equal, everyone needs to love. I mean, mm-hmm. I know Jesus preaches, you know, love and all that, but the way you stated it was just... Right, yes. Beautiful. It was beautiful. very elegantly Very put. elegantly put. Well, it was literally the Bible I was reading. Well, there you go. <laughs> and I'm sure many people already knew that besides, you know. Mm-hmm. But if that's basically the basis or the foundation of Christianity, why is it that so many Christians are so... Horrible. ...pious and judgy and you know, think that they're just so much better than everyone else. That's what I have an issue with, with mm-hmm. like organized religion. Right. You know, Absolutely. basically in Christianity. is and that the hierarchy of like who's better. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I believe, you know, I mean, I try and live a good life as good as I can and, you know, try and be nice to people and, you know, blah, blah, blah. She's the best of us. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, um, but then you, you know, you meet those people that proclaim to be these just you know christians and you know love everyone but they are like the worst Mm -hmm. that's what i have such a hard time reconciling with yeah i think for me the way that i try to conceptualize it uh and the way that makes sense to me is that when christianity was growing and we'll talk a little bit more kind of about the early church and some of the sociological factors but the kind of short version is that they had to truncate part of Jesus's message because they were trying to make it a little bit more approachable for non-Jewish people and they were trying to make it more approachable for um, like Romans and Greek speakers and when the religion kind of got brought into Rome and eventually Christianity of course becomes the uh, religion of Rome Rome has a huge political infrastructure and Rome has a lot of political values and a lot of political uh, laws, you know, all of these things that Christianity is about um, a spiritual revolution within the framework of Judaism uh, against the imperialism of Rome. But when Rome takes it on, they kind of sanitize the message so that it's not so anti-Roman. This is in Pontius Pilate, we talked about how it became really anti-Semitic in some of those transformations, especially after the Jewish diaspora. But I think it was, I think it's much more of a political question. I think that the problem is that, you know, um, if a Native American, I might have to cut this out because it might be too controversial. If a Native American tribe had a religious movement and the religious movement was about, you know, we need to oppose American expansionism in our lands and we need to love each other uh, unequivocally because our previous religious institutions have been about obeying laws and living in a specific way. And we need to kind of move away from eating a certain type of food and move to a more spiritual idea of loving each other and forgiving each other and living in an egalitarian society. And then the white people kind of co-opted that. Like we would absolutely have removed the Native American like fringes of that because we were slaughtering Native Americans and it was a horrible, horrible human tragedy. That's what Rome was, I mean, not, not exactly the same, but it was similar kind of forces in, 
in Judea at the time. It was about Rome as a colonial force. And Jesus was like, maybe be nice to people. And Rome was like, well, I don't want to be nice to people, but I really like the idea of forgiveness. I've also heard uh, kind of approaches where the Greek and Roman mythology is super like tempestuous. Like Zeus is spiting the fuck out of people for no reason. Mm -hmm. You know, you're getting struck by lightning, you fuck the wrong person and you die. In uh, Greek mythology, like uh, the Odyssey, for example, Odysseus lies like a fucking rug. Like there are no, well, I don't want to say that there are no values because that's too far, but there are not, there aren't um, the values of like being honest and like having a good family. The idea that you should be like an upright and moral person is not a super important value that Greek and Roman mythology has. And so people kind of, as Rome declined a bit and people were like, our institutions like aren't awesome and you know the emperor can do whatever he wants and we're not better for it like we're not as stable as we used to be people kind of moved away from the religion in the same way that they were like not loving where they were politically and it was like instead of trying to appease gods that might strike you down at any moment what if god was like a loving and forgiving person at all times and all you had to do was believe and that's good enough but then they didn't want to abandon all the rest of their political shit where it's like, but I do want to like slaughter people and steal their territory all the time because that's what makes Rome cool. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's just kind of the fusion of political factors and religious factors and all of these things. People just didn't really think about it when they were trying to co-opt it. You know what I mean? I don't like it. I mean, no one likes it. I mean, it really, really, really irritates the shit out of me when you see some preacher or Christian that are just holier than thou going, oh, you know, Jesus loves everybody, you know, mm -hmm. but they're racist, they're homophobic, mm -hmm. they're, you know, oh, just, right, you know, and I'm like, how can you call yourself a Christian if you are such an asshole? Right. Absolutely. Well, and part of the problem too is Jesus was saying we are all equal, which you cannot do that if you have royalty, for example, mm -hmm. right? Like, even like in America, we have this idea that the president is a civilian. I mean, right? The president is a civilian and anyone could be elected president and blah, blah, blah. But like, we all know that the president is like, quote unquote, more important than other people. And like Trump is the perfect example of he thinks he's better than everyone else because he was elected president and he thinks that the laws don't apply to him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like having any kind of stratification in society can mm -hmm. be really difficult to maintain an egalitarian idea. Mm -hmm. So when it's kind of like Martin Luther who is problematic for a million other reasons. Martin Luther did not challenge all of the things that were wrong with the Catholic church at the time. He was like bare bones. Like you say that priests can't marry people, but priests are having like wives and children. And like, this is a very easy thing that you could make a bigger deal. And the Catholics mm -hmm. were like, Ugh. like Jesus is talking about equality but they're charging people money to pay for indulgences. And the reason they're doing that is because they're trying to redo St. Peter's. Martin Luther's like, this is just like openly corrupt. But yeah, the problem is, and you know, it's, it's thousands of years of historical context and it's difficult. Yeah, it's a really hard question. Mm -hmm. Anyway, to kind of, to come back to the story of Peter, uh, he does deny Jesus thrice. And the, the three is also important because in John, after Jesus is resurrected, uh, he asks Peter in front of the disciples if he loves him. 
He says, Peter, do you love me? And he says it three times. And that's kind of the redemption story. He's like, you fucked up, but like now instead of denying me three times, tell me you love me three times and we can kind of undo it. But he says, uh, Simon, son of John. John and Jonah are kind of interchangeable. Mm -hmm. So, but he calls him Simon, son of John. So this means you have to affirm your love, but like, you're no longer the rock. Well, if you piss Jesus off, you lose your cool nickname. But it seems like once he says, says that he loves him three times, that it's cool that he can be called Peter. That he's Peter about again. to be Peter. Right, but he pissed Jesus off. And so <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and before you tell me you love me, you're back to Simon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shimon. Yeah. And, like, remember that three is a magical number. The magic numbers are, like, three, seven, twelve, and forty in general. Three is my favorite number. That's really weird, but okay. <laughs> So this is the Peter that we've met in the Gospels now. We see that he really consistently, he obviously loves Jesus quite a lot. He obviously kind of struggles with some of the details, but he works his way through it. And like he falls down, but he gets back up again. Mm-hmm. Kind of the the thing that I've noticed about Peter is that he is a hothead and he fucks up constantly, but he is like trying his fucking best. Yeah. Like, what are you guys? I picture him to be yeah. kind of like a little bit backwards. Kind of like, you know, the town idiot a little bit. Yeah. Who just kind of, like, blunders his way through. But, like, such a sweet guy. Such you can never guy. say yeah. anything negative about yeah. him. Right. But, like... You're like, bless his heart. Yes. Right. He's you know, a lot just, of, of yeah. like, oh, Shimon. Right. <laughs> bless your little heart. Yes. You know? But, like, yeah. and he always just wants to do good yeah. and, you he know... He always has the best of intentions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then he might have a couple too many drinks or something and then he gets in a bar fight and you're just like why shaman like <laughs> you know like why did we have to go down that path like right. go home sleep it off we'll like talk about stop it cutting people's ears off yeah, like, like stop being so problematic like we love yeah he seems yeah. like the uncle who like will walk up to his like gay nephew and be like listen if you're one of those transies it's perfectly okay with me you yeah. hear that i love you very much and it doesn't and it's like no, like Peter. The, <laughs> I'm what you would call the ally. Yeah, and he's like, listen, I don't care if you're black, white, gay, or normal. Yeah. Like, I wait, love you. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's like uh, you're, oh, you're so problematic, is, but yeah, you're trying you, so yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, it Ooh. never comes from a place of hate or no. just it's ignorance. Ignorance, yeah. but love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This is the time that I have scheduled for our art review. So okay. if you want to get your oh. phone and just oh. and just right. Google Simon Peter or Saint Peter, just kind of I want I want to get your impressions of how he's kind of depicted in art. Oh, he always seems to have a really good beard. Yeah, he always has a beard. Mm-hmm. He's definitely got some salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of a babe. So <laughs> I'm kind of attracted to him. So like this is kind of a like young and old one and either age he's not so bad no i mean he's got really good yeah. bone structure yeah okay just <laughs> let's stop sexualizing him. <laughs> well I, in like, art hey. everyone's hot like look at him so he traditionally looks older he traditionally has kind of a a stern or combative face mm-hmm. and he, he usually has a receding hairline yeah he often is balding that's like a thing too especially in the oh. west after the middle ages he's Often carrying keys too. I don't know if you guys yeah, are seeing I that. Yeah, I keep seeing oh, that yeah. key, mm-hmm. and that's because he holds the key. Big key. Mm. Keys to heaven. That's a big key. Oh yeah, they're not subtle. This Peter, mm-hmm. he's a homie. Mm-hmm. We'll have to we'll have to grab a couple of these for the Facebook group. Of course. He also seems to be 
constantly like looking up to the heavens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. deep in thought yeah or he's always listening for god's instruction he's just not always hearing it super clearly in the early church you kind of you have to remember that there is not one organized sect that is christianity Mm -hmm. right a lot of the movement is pretty political jesus touched a lot of lives it seems based on the new testament accounts and so different people take kind of different interpretations even among just the people who were the disciples who like knew jesus there are a few different ways that you can interpret different statements and like who knew jesus best we talked about how mary magdalene might have internalized some of his lessons better than peter like who are we to say she might have known him a little better mm-hmm, so to speak <laughs> in a biblical sense mm-hmm. so Some Jewish people had their own sect of kind of Jewish Christianity, which is pretty much just Judaism, except in addition to all of those traditions, Jesus is the Messiah. So it uh, maintains all of the Jewish spiritual laws and the kosher thing and all of that stuff. In this belief, you still have to be circumcised. Males still have to be circumcised to be saved, which is a pretty crucial bit. Circumcision kind of becomes the thing that people talk about when they talk about whether or not you follow Jewish law you know, because you didn't really have a lot of reason to be circumcised if you weren't Jewish. And then, so this debate goes on for a century or two, pretty much how Jewish is Christianity. So some people thought, and some people think today, that the Old Testament, it has all these rules, all these customs, all this shit. It's all superseded by Jesus and his teachings. So basically the Old Testament gives you context, but at the end of the day, the New Testament is the one you actually listen to. Except for Leviticus, because butt-fucking is always bad, I guess. There are just, there are a lot of laws, for example, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy about, like, your brother's wife. So that's actually a thing for Henry VIII. Catherine of Aragon, his wife who he couldn't have a boy by, she had married his brother. Mm-hmm. Arthur. Arthur. But, um, so she had married his brother, but she swore they didn't have sex. Well, then the brother died, so she married Henry VIII. But Henry VIII was trying to get that marriage annulled and he's like well in leviticus it says you can't marry your brother's wife so like that's why it should be annulled interesting we now have thunder we now have thunder we now have thunder Mm -hmm. i didn't Mm -hmm. even know it was supposed to rain me neither i didn't either it's kind of unclear to me the kind of push and pull of this but it seems like the jewish customs are just a lot of work and people weren't sure if they wanted to force christian converts to do that you know you know what i mean yeah you don't want to have to like people who you're trying to grow your religion you don't want to be like by the way we have to have part of your penis cut off yeah and then obviously some people understood christianity as the apocalyptic tradition we talked about that before peter james the just who might be jesus's brother and then john the apostle who we mentioned before they're kind of our three to watch for for the early church so peter james the just john the apostle they're our big players they're helping to kind of establish what the church is going to be paul of tarsus who uh we mentioned before he also writes a lot of um, a lot of the new testament these are kind of the people who are floating around and we know that they disagree on some stuff especially Mm -hmm. things like judaism apparently paul at one point admonishes peter because peter's telling people you do need to abide by Jewish law. You do need to be circumcised, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then Paul is like, you yourself are not abiding by all the Jewish laws. So like, what's the fucking deal, buddy? Yeah. So, so it's really... kind of hypocritical. Yeah, there are these weird... Again, it's kind of a push and pull. Mm-hmm. James seems to want to have a more conservative stance. He's like, you need to abide by Jewish law and, you know, 
maintain all of these more um, practical things in your life. And Peter kind of wants a more faith-based thing. Maybe he's kind of between James and Paul and they, it, it's all very kind of complicated. And it's important to note that like these divisions heal in the early centuries. Like by the time Rome kind of takes on Christianity, a lot of these divisions have more or less been settled. And that was in like the 300s. Mm -hmm. By the, you know, thousand, in, in about a thousand CE, uh, there's a great schism which divides the Catholic Church from the Orthodox Church. And by that point, we're like done having this conversation. Like mm -hmm. Christianity is very separate from Judaism and we know it's not apocalyptic. Yeah. So anyway, it's complex, but that's kind of the yeah. broad strokes. In the book of Acts, God actually sends Peter a vision telling him that he no longer needs to eat kosher because God makes things clean and human rules don't make things clean. So by the time the book of Acts is written, we kind of see already that we're moving away from the Judaism. Huh. Mm -hmm. So, hey, Peter, you don't need to eat kosher anymore. It's yeah. not good. And, eat and, those pigs. And yeah. Peter uh, decides to evangelize the Gentiles because God doesn't show partiality, right? Like, it's mm -hmm. not about what the Jewish religious authorities think. It's about what God thinks and, like, who's to say. So mm -hmm. I'm going to spread the religion. It also, you know, Peter is a fisherman. He's fishing in different seas now. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, I'm just going to convert whoever will listen. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to yeah. stick with the yeah. Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And then Peter travels around the Mediterranean uh, king Herod, who he's the grandson of the King Herod in the Nativity story who wants to kill Jesus. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of Herods, too. Yeah. He is persecuting Christians and uh, has James, son of Zebedee, killed. Oh. So at least Not one disciple. Zebedee, boys. Yeah. Uh-oh. And he throws Peter in prison, but um, an angel busts him out. Yeah. So that's one of the stories about mm -hmm. Peter, too, is that an angel helps him escape from prison. Was it a cherub that was also wearing bouncer uniform? I, I don't think it says exactly what class of angel. So then, allegedly, Peter goes to Rome. Peter is the first bishop of Rome, and Catholics consider him to be the first pope. Like we talked about before, all subsequent popes are his successors. So Peter allegedly founded the church in Rome with St. Paul. That's Paul of Tarsus. Okay. And so they go to Rome together. There's no archaeological evidence of this, but apparently... They go together, they go to Rome, and that's why the significance of the Pope being in Rome is so, like, localized. Okay. There's no evidence that Peter ever got to Rome or started a religious institution, but there you go. There is a bunch of stuff in the New Testament, specifically in Revelations, but also in, like, First Peter, that mentions Babylon. And it's suspected that Babylon is a euphemism for Rome. Because Babylon is a super ancient city, it's super pagan, it's kind of known for this, like, decadence, mm -hmm. that, like, it used to be great, and now everyone is just, like, a bougie, nonsense aristocrat mm -hmm. that, like, like wants... Rome. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But so, yeah, that, so people will refer to Rome as Babylon. St. Peter, in the story, he's in Rome. According to tradition, he was crucified under the Roman Emperor Nero. So uh, we mentioned Emperor Augustus, the first emperor, the emperor Tiberius who follows him, and Jesus is crucified under Tiberius. After Tiberius, there are a few other emperors. There's Caligula and then Claudius, and then Nero inherits because he's adopted by Claudius, who's his great uncle. It's a great big, like, annoying thing, but there are several emperors for some reason between when Jesus dies and when Peter dies in the story. Uh, Nero is super famous for being super hard on early Christians. Like, he was brutal in repressing Christianity. And What did he want it to be? 
uh, Roman still, paganism. Yeah, okay. the worshiping Jupiter, and so Nero also has his mother killed. <laughs> Ouch. Like, he's known for being crazy in general, but mm-hmm. especially for attacking Christians. There's also a part of the Book of Revelations. So we mentioned that Babylon is, like, Rome. In the Book of Revelations, the whore of Babylon, who's, like, one of the harbingers of the end of the world, sits on seven mountains, and there are seven hills of Rome that are, like, the ancient historical hills of Rome. Revelations also associates the whore of Babylon with an entity that rules over kings, It's a center for global trade, and it persecutes saints, so it seems that Revelation is talking about Rome. And so Nero is kind of viewed as like a scary harbinger of death, Uh, and the Christians are really worried that he's a sign that the world is ending and that they need to, you know, lean into their faith because, fuck, it's all Mm -hmm. over now. Jesus said that it was going to be over, and it looks like it's ending. Um, So Nero is also the one who plays the fiddle as Rome burned, so that's, that's relevant. In the apocryphal acts of Peter, Peter knows that he's going to get crucified in Rome. And so he heads out of town. Yeah. Understandable. <laughs> um, if I'm not here. Yeah. But then, twist, he runs into Jesus as he's leaving. Peter asks Jesus, Quo vadis domine? Which means, where are you going, Lord? And Jesus answers, Romam eo iterum crucifigi. I am going to Rome to be crucified again. And Peter realizes that he has to keep doing Jesus' work if he wants to go to heaven. And so he goes back to Rome. And according to the story, he's crucified just a few months after the great big fire where Nero, you know, plays the fiddle. There is There are some thoughts that Nero blamed early Christians on the fire. Uh, and so as kind of a scapegoating measure, he crucifies uh, Peter and other Christians. When Peter is crucified, which again is super horrific, they crucify him upside down. Uh, according to the story, he requests to be crucified in a way different from how Jesus was crucified. He's like, I'm not worthy of dying the way that Jesus was, so crucify me upside down. Early Christian sources are really consistent that A, he was crucified, and B, that he was crucified upside down. Like, for some reason, everyone agrees with that. But apparently, according to the first century historian Josephus, uh, Roman soldiers would crucify people in different positions for entertainment because they were bored. I'm just saying, when you're upside down, yeah. I mean, everything pools in your head and your your head just starts leaking, like, blood and fluids and stuff. I didn't know that. Is that true? Yes. I mean, there's no good way to be crucified, but upside down sounds horrible. horrible. Yeah. So according to the tradition, St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City is built on top of his burial place. And there are some really interesting details about this. Um, like paranormal? Not quite paranormal. Okay. But Roman Emperor Constantine I, who is the one who kind of opened Rome up to Christianity, he apparently decided that the traditional place of Peter's burial would be a good place for the original basilica. So he dug out a cemetery to build the <gasps> basilica. He disturbed dead people? Apparently. Uh-oh. And apparently it was, like, a really bad place to build. Like, it was an inconvenient hill, and they had to, like, do quite a bit of work to, like, get it put there. But it was a spiritual place because it was where Peter was buried. Whether or not Peter's bones are actually there is, I mean, as you can imagine, it's kind of controversial. Apparently they discovered nine bone fragments from the first century that belonged to an approximately 61-year-old man. And in 1968, Pope Paul VI announced that they were Peter's. So they went on display in 2013, and Pope Francis transferred them in 2019 to the Orthodox Patriarch Bartholomew I. So he's the head of the Eastern Orthodox Church. So we have bones that very possibly could be Peter's 
that were discovered in the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, I Air don't know. Real. And I don't know how much, like, work, I don't know if they did any, like, genetic studies on them, mm-hmm. for example. But the, the right time and the right age, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that there were lots of people in their 60s in Rome mm-hmm. that who yeah. would have died along Peter's time. But, yeah. Yeah. but isn't that interesting? It is but interesting. not in this the spot that, you know, people claim there's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows you don't... You don't, with you don't fuck with cemeteries, and you certainly don't build things on top of cemeteries. Yeah. Uh, so that's the end of the story of Peter, is that, you know, he walked with Jesus and seems to have died and seems to have been buried and possibly had his bones rediscovered. But that's kind of... That's who he was and stuff. I think it's interesting that he was crucified because didn't he deny Jesus because he was scared of getting crucified? I mean, kind of. But he yeah, also tried to, he apologized for he, that. He and then he tried he to leave apologized. Rome and Jesus was like, like um, where the fuck are you yeah, going? Yeah. <laughs> I'm back here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that is, that's the story of Peter and his He was a kind lot of, more interesting than I thought yeah, he was going to be. Yeah. yeah. How do you guys feel about Peter at the end? Having kind of met him and his origins and how he was with Jesus and then his eventual death. I mean, I think he definitely came full circle. He had, like, a bunch of, like... He started as just, like, kind of, like, this country bumpkin, you know, type guy. He started following. He was a major player, had a downfall, and then decided to, you know, keep with this path of following Jesus. And then, in all honesty, probably had the most respected way to die if you think about if you're having it in the same way of like somebody that you consider to be like a hero like well and it is a thing that for a while being a martyr was one of the uh, prerequisites for sainthood yeah so yeah mm-hmm. i mean like you say it it, it was a, a way to die that was very um dignified for from a religious perspective yeah that's fucked up yeah <laughs> yeah kind of. i did find it interesting that he was at the very end was like Okay, but if we're gonna do this crucifixion, I don't like to be upside down, yeah, like or in a be... way differ from Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. I think he had quite the ride. He did have quite a ride. Yeah, you know, that's pretty true. Like, like you said, country bumpkin, bless your little heart. Yeah, and good then soul. Became, yeah, and then look at where he ended up. Yeah. Know. Yep. So I think that that wraps up our main segment. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. If you have you. any questions, comments, concerns, compliments, feel I free to direct them to arrive on compliments. <laughs> feel free to direct them to Holy Spirits Podcast at gmail.com and please or our Facebook page. Or our Facebook page. Yep. yep. Which yep. is now public. It is mm-hmm. public. You should be able to find it by just looking for Holy Spirits in the group section. Mm-hmm. We really, really enjoy <laughs> people being part of, you know, our community that we're trying to build. And also we want you guys to interact with us. Absolutely. And please whoa. Please <laughs> Sorry. There's <laughs> thunder in the in the background and dogs shitting on the rug. <laughs> Lola's freaking the f out, man. Lola. Oh. Lola. She's so happy looking. <laughs> no, she stopped shaking. She's, she's, like, she's like, whatever. Yeah. No. Uh. Uh-uh, no. Get up. Mm-mm. <laughs> Sorry, sweet girl. Yeah. Come no. Okay. Bonus. Bonus. Okay. Wait. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Oh. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you. Come bye. Again. <laughs>
It is thundering quite a lot. The dog just pooped on the carpet. Let's, we are ready. let's learn about the fucking Bible. Yeah. So my bonus. Oh, we get smited. Oh, yeah. Uh, my bonus segment this time is actually about the number 666. Oh, <gasps> yes. Heather has never been so excited. Uh, like, <laughs> so the uh, sources in the book of Revelations, they call it Arithmostotherio, the number of the beast. Ooh. Okay. The number of the beast is written Chi Xi Stigma. Mm-hmm. Which I'm I'm not I'm you know, I'm not like a connoisseur of the Greek alphabet in particular. Um, it's not sigma, it's stigma. But, but so how perfect is this weather? Oh yes, it's super yeah. like yeah. ominous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I go yeah. turn the lights out? Yeah. Like some candles? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Get out my Ouija. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so some of the ancient texts actually have it as six hundred and sixteen, but that might just be a scribal error. The People generally know it as 666, and so it's understood to be the number of the beast. 666 is a triangular number, which means that if you do it like bowling pins, if you do 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way down to 36, all of them add up to 666. So it's it's kind of a nice round number, uh, which is interesting. Uh, so it might have some kind of like special mathematical properties that might kind of make it magic or whatever. It probably symbolizes someone in power because we talked in what episode was that that we talked about that you can't you can't talk shit directly about people in power. Remember how Jesus always spoke in parables? Mm-hmm. It was Pontius Pilate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in yeah. Pontius in the in the Pontius Pilate episode, we talk about how Jesus spoke in parables so that you don't just like criticize people immediately and then immediately get tortured to death for it. And then later they're like, wait a minute. Hey. Hey. Uh, So. What about that? Yeah. (laughs) So there's a thing called an atbash cipher, which they actually talk about in the Da Vinci Code because I reread the Da Vinci Code. Uh, Because of. Because of course I did. Yeah. And because of Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. But so this is where you take the alphabet and you fold it back on itself as a way to kind of substitute letters. I'm sorry, I just have to comment on the fact that like, the free time that he was just like, I just read the Da Vinci yeah. code. Yeah, like, I reread it because, you know, you know Mary because Magdalene. Harry Magdalene. Yeah. And it's like, it's taken me 1600 years to be able to like, read one book like, <laughs> because of just time. And I'm like, oh yeah, 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 I just read it. Yeah, you I know, mean, and I just reread it. Yeah, I have a full-time job. I don't have a child. Anyway, the Apache cipher is when you take the alphabet and you fold it back on itself. So A would be Z, B would be Y, and so on. Okay. And you can do this with any alphabet that has a set order, and the Hebrew um, alphabet obviously does have a set order. So in the book of Jeremiah, they keep talking about Sheshach, and Sheshach is not like a place. No one knows what that was referring to. Well, it turns out that Sheshach, in the Hebrew Apash cipher is BBL, which is how you spell Babylon in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So like they were just encoding Babylon. They didn't want to say it directly because they didn't want Babylon to be mad about it. Mm-hmm. And Jeremiah was written by um, Jewish far. people while they were... <laughs> Jeremiah was in fact a bullfrog. <laughs> he was not a good friend of mine. <laughs> but he had some mighty fine wine. Anyway. Which was the blood of Jesus. Blood Full of Jesus. circle. <laughs> <laughs> but that was pretty good. I like 
Probably. Okay. Jeremiah was written while Jewish people were in exile in Babylon. So they were like in the middle of Babylon, and if they were talking shit about Babylon, it would have been very bad for them. Yeah. Um, you don't shit where you eat. Right. Right, Lola. <laughs> but so the Atbash cipher and the discovery of what this Sheshach means in, in the book of Jeremiah means that we know that people writing the holy texts and the early Christian communities by extension, they are encoding things and we're being careful and being kind of sneaky to, you know, make sure that we don't piss the wrong people off. Yeah. So that's kind of the precedent that we're working with. There's a thing called gematria, which is where you assign numerical value to letters. So that's um, Aleph, the uh, first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is one, and then two, blah, 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 all the way up to 10. And then once you hit the 10th one, then you do 20, 30, 40. Then when you hit Zion, which is the last letter, you are at 900. So we have a whole big kind of slew of letters. When you add up the letters... That me, I would never be able to figure that out. Mm -mm. It, like I said, it's kind of sneaky. That's why yeah. I brought up the Apache cipher first, is because we had to kind of sleuth for some of these. Like, it's yeah. confusing, and people were looking for answers. Mm -hmm. But so when you write the Aramaic name for Nero Caesar, which would be Neron Caesar, you get 666. If you drop the N uh, in Neron, so you just say Nero, then you lose about 50 points, because N is worth 50. So if you lose 50 off of 666, you get 616. Which is... Which where... is what the other one was. So yeah. it's either 616 or 666, but like maybe it is both. Maybe mm -hmm. it's just a spelling idiosyncrasy. Yeah, yeah. And, and so... Nero Caesar? Nero Caesar. Uh, versus Neron Caesar. Neron would be what they called him. Oh, uh, gotcha. The N's at the end. Not right. the N's at the beginning. Exactly. So Nero's reputation was shit because he was such an insane person. And Christians were, of course, absolutely terrorized by him, like we said before. He committed suicide in a villa that was apparently just outside of Rome, which is like kind of a weird place. And then he doesn't get the full kind of burial shindig that a Roman emperor would usually get. Because uh, he committed suicide? He suicide. There were a bunch of very powerful people who were operating against him, and I think that he thought that they were going to overthrow him. And it's kind of unclear to me if they were or not. Yeah. Like, if he was overreacting or... I don't think that it was all in his head, yeah. but... But in his craze... But he was a little crazy anyway. Yeah. He and he was like, I got it. it was just better to... Yeah. But so he died in kind of a weird place under kind of weird circumstances. But because of that, there's this huge conspiracy theory that he didn't actually die that he either rose from the dead or just didn't die in the first place. And so there are three imposter Neros that pop up in the next 20 years. So Christians are terrified of Nero to begin with. They think of him as this evil figure, possibly a harbinger, possibly a harbinger of the world ending. And then they are not really sure if he's dead or not, which adds kind of a supernatural flair, kind of mm -hmm. a conspiracy flair. And so Love they it. build into the book of Revelations when they talk about Nero, they code him as 666, the number of the beast. And remember we said too, that in the book of Revelations, Babylon seems to be like a crucial place. There are these coded references to Babylon, the whore of Babylon, the seven mountains that are probably just talking about Rome because Christians were really worried the world was going to end now that Jesus is gone. So cool. that's that's the story. That's, that's cool. That's, that's really the story of the six six six. And so obviously the idea is too that he's kind of the antichrist. Yeah. Some people think that the antichrist is still coming. The world is not yet ending. But yeah, that's that's kind of the historical context under which Revelations was being written. So do they? Does anyone think that this dude's immortal? 
Like, he's um, still here? It's or? interesting that he's never immortal in, like, Supernatural, right? Like, yeah. there aren't any, like, TV shows where mm-hmm. Nero being immortal is, like, a major mm-hmm. point. Or at least, not that I know of. Yeah. Because that would be... Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. For sure. For sure. So, yeah, that's our that's our bonus segment this time. Loved it. So, Loved I don't it. understand how 666 is... Because I... Isn't that usually with, like, the devil? Well, that's the thing, is that it's termed the number of the beast in Revelations. It's uh, the number of a malevolent monster who's going to help end the world. Mm-hmm. Well, I always associated it with the devil, but I never knew the origins of right. 666, mm-hmm. of like how it came about, so that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. That's very so that's it. That's our episode. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry about the thunder and the storm. No, oh, it just made it all <laughs> so much better. Spookier. Yeah. yeah. This is the way it was supposed yeah. to happen. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends. Yes, tell everyone that you know. Everyone. We are here to stay and take over the world. And join our Facebook group and shoot us an email at holyspiritspodcast at gmail.com. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>